It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. From the Vibonomics Studios, this is the Adam Ritz Show. My name is Adam Ritz. I'm glad that you're listening uh, and on board with the show, and I want to welcome our uh, friend, our cohort, our broadcasting legend, and my mentor, Jay Baker. Hi, Jay. Thanks for uh, joining me once again on the show. Hey, I really do enjoy being here, Adam. I want to thank our friends at Vibonomics. Uh, we started by saying we're in the Vibonomics Studios. That is not just uh, by naming rights or a sponsorship. It is actually a physical space. We're in the Vibonomics headquarters inside the studio, and we thank our friends at Vibonomics for providing the resources and underwriting this show, for believing in public affairs. And if you'd like to learn more about Vibonomics, you can do so on their website, Vibonomics.com. Vibonomics is an audio software solution. It's an audio experience for your ears and your eardrums. If you walk into a store, a space, a public uh, civic center, and you hear something that sounds cool, that's probably Vibonomics. They do licensed music with voiceover messaging between the songs, promoting, marketing, an audio experience, really. And you can learn more, again, at their website, vibonomics.com. That's vibe, like V-I-B-E, like the vibe that you hear and feel and taste and sense right now through the speakers of your radio on The Adam Rich Show. Jay, it's uh, always a pleasure to talk uh, public affairs with you. We have some exciting topics uh, that we've talked and uh, discussed in the past. And here we are in a new month. It's February 2019. What's happening? Well, you always ask me, look ahead just a little bit. And you do have to laugh with certain public affairs things, because let's just say the title of something. You go, Winter Driving Tips, which is something that we featured not too long ago on this show. What do I need to know about winter driving tips? We found out there's actually quite a bit you need to know. And much of the nation, of course, spends a great deal of time preparing for winter driving. This month, February, is National Canned Food Month. And I thought to myself, that's great. What about canned food? It sounds like the most run-of-the-mill, average, everyday thing. Adam, when we, you and I were back in university, we probably looked at canned food and went, ugh, not another can of SpaghettiOs, not another can of this, not another can of that. My mom used to famously make baked beans by opening the baked beans, throwing them in a pot, letting them heat up, and then going, here, here's baked beans. So we tended to look uh -huh. at canned goods as well, it's just coming out of a can. How good could it be? I, you know, I have to disagree with you, though, because <laughs> not only when I was in college, but even today, when I look at a can of SpaghettiOs, I smile. That's gourmet. That, yeah, and is. I don't even need to cook it. I just open the can and use a plastic spoon and go to town. So there you go. So as you might imagine, canned food touches all of us. So we're going to be talking about the impact of canned foods and the fact that it can be a nostalgic event for many of us. And the amazing variety of food that goes into cans actually is beyond even the scope of the show. We could go on and on and on for a full week, but then that wouldn't be interesting, would it? 
<laughs> and as we look ahead in today's show, the canned food radio marathon continues. <laughs> We're an hour 16. Thank you so much. Call 1 800 Stop This. 30 minutes is enough for a canned food discussion. Absolutely. And we're going to talk about a Super Bowl ad that the canning people actually put together and were highly successful with and spawned other great food ads because now as we are in Super Bowl season, you know, many of those spots are very memorable. And if you think back, there were some great Super Bowl spots that were pertaining to food, and food goes into cans. Mm, okay. We're also going to talk a little bit about metals recycling. You know, when you throw that can away, you either put it in a recycling container or even the trash itself, you'll be surprised at just how much or how, just how quickly that can could possibly turn into be the front fender of an automobile. It's a a pretty interesting story. Uh, During February, of course, they ask you not only to uh, think about canned foods, which has made me chuckle just a little bit, but this is also a good time for you to look through your current pantry and donate some canned foods that you haven't used for a while and actually donate them to food banks because this is a good time of the year to do this. The story of canned foods goes all the way back to the French Revolution and Napoleon Napoleon offered 12,000 francs to anybody who could develop a method of preserving food, and he wanted to do it for his army. Uh, A Frenchman named Nicholas Appert, we all remember him. Nick! He claimed the prize when he discovered that applying heat to food in sealed glass bottles improved its shelf life. His research led to the current method of canning. The first tin opener was invented by the English surgical instrument maker Robert Yates, That happened in 1855. Early food tins had to be opened with either a hammer or a chisel or a knife, which sounds downright dangerous. A hammer or a chisel. Can you imagine? (laughs) you got to get to your beefaroni somehow. How are you going to get to those SpaghettiOs without a chisel? And now, how lazy are we now that they're flip tops? Well, and now you could What would Nick say? Absolutely. (laughs) So it was funny you said that about the canning business because you're right. Now canning is uh, something that's uh, super, super simple. You can either open it very easily with a a mundane can opener. There's electronic can openers. And as you said, uh, several uh, food companies just do it in a flip top. You just pull it open. Um, Saving money is what actually started the whole canning process. Now, you probably don't know this, Adam, but canning actually came about as a way to save money. It's especially important in uncertain economic times. So in our grandparents' era, they would oftentimes grow a ton of food in their garden and then preserve it by canning. Hmm. So it allowed the everyday person to save money at the grocery store. And canning, of course, of that type is actually in glass jars. Yeah. And of interest in the Midwest, the most uh, widely used canning jar are by the Ball Mason Company. There's famously a Ball State University in Indiana, and it was the Ball Brothers who created the Ball Mason Jar. And that is the most widely used canning jar. By the way, Adam, on November 30th, that's National Mason Jar Day. So that means that we may have a show on nothing but the mason jar. And I know you're looking forward to that. Now, let me write this down. National Mason Jar Day is when? It's on November 30th. You're going to put November, that on. Oh, 
on your uh, calendar yeah. and then uh, have a tickler. I have plenty of time to get my national mason jar tree up before November. I got you. Okay. Absolutely. The Canned Food Information Council designated February as National Canned Food Month. They did this back in 1987, and they did it mostly because people said, ah, if you put something inside of a can, can't possibly be as good as something fresh. Though the canned food industry now has become so good that they can put just about anything in a can. And if you go down the canned food section of your local grocery store, you'll be a bit surprised. The usual suspects are in there, including whatever you absolutely dread in the vegetable department. For me, it was always lima beans because my mm-hmm. parents thought those were good for us. I, I would have <laughs> tried to take all the labels off the cans if only I'd known just how dreadful they were. But here's something to think about, and this is when we did the research for this. The reason why canned foods are so important is if you're providing benefit for, let's say, food assistance programs uh, here locally, or you're providing something for uh, a a food assistance uh, that you're doing overseas, the uh, can is absolutely the uh, the perfect vessel because they reduce the risk of uh, foodborne illness. In fact, uh, in a review of nearly 4,500 foodborne-related outbreaks and more than 138,000 cases of illness, commercially produced canned fruits and vegetables did not directly account for a single foodborne outbreak. I'll be darned. And you know, here in America, we do, we get a little sensitive to there was recently a recall of romaine lettuce. Lettuce is – bagged lettuce is sometimes a culprit. Yeah. You, can, you know what? They need to have some of that lettuce in a can. Canned salad. Canned salad. I mean, come on. The, and as we laugh about canned salad, it may be there is canned salad somewhere. But I found that pretty darn interesting that uh, the metal can – is actually the safest type of food packaging. It's tamper-resistant, provides an airtight seal, it's thermally sterilized, and it's shelf-stable. I know uh, in my house, um, people are pretty sensitive to eating raw foods, as well they should be. But, you know, if you get salmon or tuna in a can and you think, oh, well, this is raw. No, it's ready to eat as it comes out of the can because of the ability to cook the food while it's inside the can. I think that's kind of cool. That is cool. And it reminds me of uh, Beanie Weenies as well. I, you can eat those right out of the can. You can. And you said SpaghettiOs and yeah, beef right out of the can. Right out of the can. Uh, the canned food industry is a major contributor to the U.S. economy, responsible for $137 billion in total U.S. economic activity, industry farmers, steelmakers, canmakers, processors, and packers represent 85,000-plus jobs, which in turn generate more than $4.2 billion in state and local taxes, plus $7.3 billion in federal business tax. Who would have thought that much money in the canning industry. Well, absolutely. And that's why I told you I, I can't, uh, yeah. initially I was almost getting ready to uh, February's National Can Month. Let's forget about that topic. And then I started reading through some of this and I went, stuff you wouldn't even think about. 85,000 plus jobs directly related to putting food inside of a can. And the tax money that the federal government makes off of the canning industry. You, when you brought up uh, National Can Month, um, the first thing I thought of was food pantries and uh, a lot of the 
uh, athletes, collegiate athletes, do food drives and or basketball games this time of year. You can get a maybe a free ticket to a game if you show up with a with three or four canned food items. Uh, so there is a a big, I guess, connection between uh, feeding the hungry and the canned food industry. And anybody in, anywhere, if you think about your pantry at home right now, could you go in and get five cans of something that you don't necessarily need today that you could give to somebody else to help them out? Of course you could. Well, and that's what that February as can month, that's yeah. the other aspect of this is look inside your own cans. And as you said, if there's a local food drive or a local food pantry, do. Now, Jay, don't just give the lima beans that you didn't want anyway. <laughs> I mean, let's dig deep and get some some of those SpaghettiOs, the ones with hot dogs and meatballs. Give those away, too. I like the okay. fact that beanie weenies do come in a can. I mean, that's part of the miracle of being here in America, isn't it? It's the canned food industry. Well, we told you that we we're going to tell you a little story about a Super Bowl ad. Believe it or not, the Association for Companies Involved in Canning made an unlikely ad buy in 1985 Super Bowl, and it actually was one of the favorite ads of the 1985 Super Bowl, enough that the canning industry said, you know, we don't want to spend our entire annual budget, but if we didn't run that commercial at the Super Bowl, we wouldn't have reached 41 million households, which is the highest number of people we can reach in any one time or place. So they said that they got almost $60 million worth of publicity by spending almost their whole annual budget on a Super Bowl ad. Do we know what that ad was? The ad itself was called Brilliance, and it had to do with putting food in the can. And believe it or not, there is an actual behind-the-scenes film called The Making of Brilliance, because in the ad world, this is considered, hey, you take a product that you wouldn't think would translate to the Super Bowl, in much the same way when I looked up, this is can month, are you kidding me? it ends up being one of the biggest ads in the mid-80s. Now, it's been a while, obviously, since that time, but this also prompted the American Dairy Association to make a similar and similarly successful Super Bowl ad called Cheese, Glorious Cheese. And oh, I think you probably remember that. I, I almost started singing it right when you said it, but I'm not going <laughs> to sing it. I guess I could, Cheese, Glorious Cheese, of course. Of course I remember that ad. It's not just uh, the Super Bowl shuffle from the the Bears from the mid-'80s that won this won that that Super Bowl in 85. It's, right. it's Cheese, Glorious Cheese, and, the, <laughs> and that world-famous can ad that we called Brilliance. And Absolutely. we got to get a YouTube link to that and put it on our website, adamrichshow.com, for sure. Yeah. And the fridge, I think, sustained his energy level to perform well in the Super Bowl by eating canned foods and then enjoying <laughs> some cheese afterwards. He was a big boy, and he needed a lot of carbohydrates. Now, Adam... You probably think to yourself, okay, I've got this can. I empty the contents of my SpaghettiOs. Now what should I do with it? They really do recommend that you recycle, and here's why. Americans use 100 million cans each day. 100 million in a day. Not, than, not, not, that's not counting soda cans. We're talking like that's steel cans. Steel cans that you would get soup or f yeah. vegetables out of. 100 steel million. Cans you can't squeeze with your hand. Right. One, one million per day. 
100 million. 100 million per day. 100 million per day. My goodness. That's a lot. So that's what I was saying. When I looked at the economic impact of this, I thought that's pretty darn interesting. The good news is they say that more than 67 million of those cans are recycled, and they're recycled by steel companies throughout North America. Um, Now, when you recycle, of course, you know, you, you tend to sort out materials. Uh, more steel is recycled each year than paper, plastic, aluminum, and glass combined. When steel is recycled, it conserves energy, natural resources, as well as making the process more financially sustainable. Part of the reason why they're able to be a little bit more efficient with steel is that can is magnetic. So when they use the magnetic separator at the recycling location, it does allow a pretty good use of cans to be caught up and then consequently Mm -hmm. recycled. Um, They also drop off uh, a lot of uh, steel uh, from um, construction sites. I didn't even stop to think about this, but there's a certain amount of steel waste at construction sites. Mm -hmm. And then certainly if you demolish something, there's a lot of steel. So a lot of the recycled steel will actually come from the construction industry. When you think about the time you spend in your kitchen with a soda can and you finish that soda, you immediately don't even have to think about it. You naturally put it in the recycling bin. When you open a can of green beans or SpaghettiOs or tuna, um, I don't think that connection's there for the for the common kitchen goer to take that that can of spaghetti sauce. Or pumpkin. When you're making a pumpkin pie, you've got a can of concentrated pumpkin. You just emptied it into your um, mixing bowl, and you're more apt to just throw that can away because it's not a soda can. You're so used to recycling soda cans that maybe you're not in that frame of mind. So I guess we would suggest uh, whether it's a soda can or a hard steel um, food can, recycle that puppy. Yeah. Recycle that puppy. Aluminum does get recycled, as you might imagine. Paper and plastics all get recycled. But steel, because of its magnetic qualities, uh, and, you know, as we all know, charisma, you got to have magnetic qualities. But, um, (laughs) (laughs) see, with Can Month, you get comedy. You You get a side order of comedy. (laughs) So, Adam, you're saying to yourself, I put my can, and I'm a a very responsible person. I put my can in recycling. That was real laughter. That was not canned laughter that you just heard from your comedy. That was real laughter. Okay. Here from the Vibonomic Studios. Please continue. So, the steel cans are combined with other steel scrap from recycling locations. They're actually taken to a steel mill, melted in a big furnace, probably very dangerous. So don't try this at home. (laughs) That's the best. Do not. That is the best public service announcement I've ever heard. It's National Can Month. Please recycle your cans so they can be melted down. Right. But don't light a fire in your house and melt them down yourself. Do not. It's going to go very badly for you. Uh, So they make many new steel products, which can include, of course, automobiles, appliances, construction materials, or another container. Now, many packaging materials have to be downcycled. You probably know, famously, uh, you can get a bag at a grocery store and it says this is used from 40% post-consumer recyclable materials. Mm -hmm. A lot of cardboard has spent uh, time as other forms of paper, but steel can actually be continuously recycled 
into common steel products without any loss of quality whatsoever. So your can of SpaghettiOs could become the front fender of that great car you drive every day. In fact, just might be. And it might be. Yeah. In fact, if you check your fender, look just inside, there's a a tag that says SpaghettiOs right on it. If you've listened to a past show, you know my car is kind of a hunk of junk. I might be better off driving a SpaghettiOs mobile rather than my vehicle. Each year, more than 80% of the steel in the domestic industry uh, is recycled. So that's a lot of steel. So when you think about it, just everything that we use that is steel can be recycled into more steel. So once again, we went from the can is the perfect container. It's safe. It can be distributed either in a local food pantry, as you said, and we do urge you to uh, participate in any food drives in your community. But it also then is useful in case you have some type of a, uh, I'm saying overseas, that sounds so you know grandiose, but if you have a food program that you've set up with uh, a South American nation, mm-hmm. a lot of times the best way to ship that food is in canned form because once again, the can is so safe, it actually protects you. It's uh, sealed. And... Uh, of course, wouldn't that be the worst thing if we provided food aid, but we didn't provide any can openers, just not, the cans themselves? Yeah, I was going to ask you about the can opener you have uh, in your kitchen. Are you old school? Do you have the the one where you turn? You have to manually turn the. You have to you know get the metal lip. In, you have to start the hole, then turn it and crank it, or do you have the electric one where you can just use the magnet and the motor does the job for you. You know, I'm old school. I'm old school too. And I feel bad because I think that it would be much cooler and hipper if I used the electric can opener. When I was a kid and my friends had those in their kitchen, I thought they were so rich because we've always had the manual crank where you just pull it out of the drawer next to the forks, you clip it on, you start turning. And my friends with the motorized can openers, they were so – they were they might as well have had a Bentley or a Mercedes or a, a Rolls-Royce in the garage. Well, as you pointed out, that was a separate standalone appliance that sat on the counter, and its sole job was to remove the lid off of a can. And it was oftentimes in a very, very nice decorator color like uh, almond or avocado. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. It went to town on that. Uh, and there was no can that it could not open. No. I mean, you could put the most gnarly, I found this can in my backyard 25 years ago, and that baby would pop right open, it wouldn't would. it? Yeah. Yeah. Because sometimes the crank doesn't work and you have to sacrifice the can and just throw it away and move on to the next can of green beans. But yeah, I am kind of Mr. Old School. And um, it is, that's actually kind of an interesting look at how do you open your cans. Um I just, I know people are going to say, you, what I'm about to tell you makes me sound much odder than I usually sound here on the air with you. But uh, one of my uh, guilty pleasures on the weekend is to watch the Home Shopping Network, and they have these absurd kitchen shows where they sell all types of things that you would never need, yet I'm sort of held in rapt fascination with the electric handheld can openers. Supposedly there's two or three that will open cans, not leave any kind of you know, sharp seam or edge so that then, you know, the can is this perfect cylinder. But I just haven't, you know, sprung for one. You need to get one. And that will contribute to those billions of dollars per year that the canning industry provides to the economy. Once again, you know, as we said, the economic import 
is uh, $7.3 billion in federal business taxes just based on the canning industry. Now, we talked a little bit, Adam, about uh, recycling. And, of course, recycling is important. It helps save landfill space while providing a valuable scrap resource to the steel industry. Using old steel to make new steel also preserves natural resources and energy. For every ton of steel recycled, 2,500 pounds of iron ore, 1,400 pounds of coal, and 120 pounds of limestone are conserved. So if you're operating a steel mill, you need to have coal and limestone, which is something, once again, being a guy with a radio background, I don't know how you make steel. (laughs) Sounds dangerous. I'm sure when our listeners started listening to this show and heard, oh my gosh, it's National Can Month. They had no idea there was this much information out there. Well, and to think about, you could very innocently hear that February is can month, turn off the radio, and miss the fact that there's actually a great (laughs) deal of information about the canning industry and the steel industry that they never, ever knew. So here's what happens. You uh, actually are able to uh, recycle a ton of steel. You save a whole bunch of valuable resources. And in a year, the steel industry conserves an equivalent energy to power 18 million homes for 12 months or enough to provide the city of Los Angeles power for roughly eight years. And that's what happens every year just from steel recycling. That is so cool. Well, and who knew that... Nearly 80% of steel, even if you toss it into the bin, and we do urge you to recycle, uh, even if you toss it straight into the bin because of some of the magnetic recycling that occurs, that particular steel will end up being recycled and it gets turned into a product that doesn't get, as I said, uh, downsized. It still remains steel. I think that's pretty interesting. So as we uh, celebrate National Can Month, and uh, is the marketing behind it National Canning or Can? National Can Month? Well, here's what's interesting. It is called National Canned Food Month. Canned Food. I yes. apologize. National. I apologize to the Institute of the National Canned Food <laughs> well, Organization. Apparently, they have a pretty good sense of humor, so they probably won't get too angry at you. They don't send thugs out. You know What did that guy say? Well, my uh, two takeaways with uh, celebrating with my family, National Canned Food Month, uh, is one, uh, to help feed the hungry with uh, canned food drives, and two, recycling. That's the part of the, when you think of canned food and how it can help us out, how it can help your neighbor, uh, you may not think recycling right off the top of your head, but that is a, those are some amazing statistics you've shared about uh, the amount of uh, weight and or money that is uh, conserved with recycling canned canned foods. Well, and the thought process is, you know, canned food just isn't as healthy as fresh food. Certainly, you want to get fresh food whenever you can. But if you think about the can, it makes it so ultra convenient because Mm -hmm. of the shelf-stable nature. Um, I think some canned goods will have, you know, the expiration uh, date on the can. But most canned goods, five, six, seven years. I know somebody... uh, at another office that I worked at, got a whole bunch of chunky soups because they watched the Super Bowl ad. <laughs> then they forgot about them. <laughs> I pulled one of those out. It had a shelf life of seven years. Yeah. Now, sadly, that was like 
two years prior to me of catching the cans. Cans still seem fine, but I'm one of those worry warts. I'm thinking, you know, this might be my last can of chunky soup if I accidentally open it, heat it, and serve it. So I I'm actually, a little careful. I used just this week a can of black beans that I think I've had in my pantry for six years. I bought. I went through this protein black bean phase, and I at you know one of these box food stores, I bought a case of black beans. And it's taken me six years to eat all of them, but I I still use them, and they're still good. And the chili that uh, Melissa and I made was fantastic, and I think it's due to the canned food industry. Once again, you look back and you say, boy, hasn't the can helped me out a whole bunch? I got the information for most of this, Adam, from the Canned Food Alliance. They actually have a full website that actually can help you, the homeowner, or government official, government, uh, or uh, also any research fellows at the university level. There's all kinds of uh, esoteric information on the Canned Food Alliance. As you might imagine, they are a marketing group because there is a lot going on. And it does involve an industry where they want to preserve the fact that they are keeping America safe and it does generate a tremendous amount of money. And that's cannedfoodalliance.com or .org? It is, believe it or not, Canned Food Alliance. And I know this breaks your cardinal rule that the food or the the, the name should always match the website. <laughs> but their website is www.mealtime.org. Mealtime.org? Mealtime.org. How did they get that URL? That's the best <laughs> URL I've ever heard. You know, if you're going to go a .org, which tends to be dry material... I will tell you, this is kind of another funny thing about putting this together. I found the Canned Food Alliance website to be pretty darn entertaining. (laughs) There were some color PDFs that you could print up and share with your neighbors. So you can learn more at mealtime.org about the Canned Food Alliance. And you can learn more about our show at adamritzshow.com. Uh, we're on Twitter at Adam Ritz, uh, again on Instagram and Facebook at Adam Ritz Show. Jay Baker, a pleasure to have you on talking about National Canned Food Month. I found this show to be uncanny. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.